0: Well, happy Easter, everybody. I got to tell you, uh, I miss you so much. It is so odd after all these years of uh, pastoring to do an Easter not with you. So just know my my pastoral heart is is, uh, sad in a sense that we cannot gather, but glad that we can uh, with this technology and to still celebrate, of course, the reality of a risen Savior. So just a greeting to all of you. Uh, in particular, if you might be j- jumping online, maybe you're new to our church and new to our ministry. Just a reminder that uh, we'd love to connect with you, and you can even do that uh, as I'm, I'm speaking. You can just ID yourself in the chat feed of that uh, of the broadcast, and we've got uh, people that would love to uh, connect with you even as uh, the service continues. You know, years from now, we're going to look back at this Easter and we're going to we're going to remember it as our pandemic Easter. Not the date necessarily. We might not remember it was 2020, but we will remember uh, things whether they were before this or whether they were, were after this. It's kind of like parents who don't remember necessarily the date that something happened, but they remember whether or not it was before their you know their first child was born or that was right after their son graduated. We we somehow remember things, we place them in our mind relative to other big events in our life. And this Easter will always be remembered as our pandemic Easter. Hey, do you remember that pandemic Easter when we had Easter at home? Do you remember that? Do, do you remember when we celebrated the resurrection in, a, in the family room together online? And the, and the answer for each of those is gonna be, oh yeah, our pandemic Easter. Now, I just I think thinking that way sort of makes me feel good because it reminds me that someday we're going to look back on this time and it'll be over, and uh, we trust that life will, will go on. But this Easter is going to linger in our memories. For many of us, this is the very first Easter that we haven't gone to a church building to celebrate the resurrection. For many of us, this is the very first Easter that we haven't gone to grandma's on Easter, and we haven't gone to the lunch buffet restaurant on Easter. No family photos, no, uh, no special lunches necessarily. I was thinking about the family photos, it'd be kind of fun this year for Easter for all the families to take the family photo, you know, uh, uh, looking much different than a normal Easter there in your flannel PGA's and your bedhead, and you know who you are, as I even say that. Uh, Go ahead and take that picture, it might be a fun memory down the road. But we will always remember our pandemic Easter. And my goal today is to make sure that this pandemic Easter is about what every other Easter is actually all about. In fact, in some ways, this Easter might crystallize what it actually is all about because we don't have all the other sort of distractions. What do we have today? We have the reality of a risen Savior. And we celebrate what Jesus did, and we remember today his resurrection. And I think in some ways this will bring greater clarity to Easter than perhaps any other Easter that we've, that we've had. Easter is about an empty tomb. Easter is about shocked and thrilled disciples. Easter is about a world turned upside down ever since Jesus' resurrection. It is the power of the new creation, the power of God invading this old creation of death. It is the supernatural invasion into the natural world that we live in. It is hope in man's oldest pandemic, which is not COVID-19 or measles or some other thing. Our oldest pandemic is death. And the rate is 100%. And so let's lift our attention off of ourselves and off of even the immediate circumstances. And let's go back in our minds and go back in our hearts to that very first Easter morning as told by the disciple Matthew. So Matthew 28 is our text today. And to set the stage, I, I want to go back actually to Friday afternoon, the Friday of Good Friday. The Bible tells us that Jesus was crucified on that Friday in the morning, around nine o'clock in the morning, and from nine to noon, he hung on the cross, and at noon, the sky grew black, and there was a, like a supernatural eclipse. The whole area was dark, and the sense of it was that sense of foreboding, that sense that God the Father was placing upon Jesus, our guilt, your guilt, the guilt of the world, as Jesus bore our sins on the cross. And somewhere around three o'clock that afternoon, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, It is finished. And in that moment, he died. And when he died, the Bible says there was an earthquake, and uh, that the, 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 the curtain in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And, and the Roman centurion who just hours before likely had helped crucify Jesus and was standing there and heard it and saw all of this, his declaration was, surely this man was the Son of God. That's quite a heart change. And here's what happened next. Because the Jewish Passover was beginning at 6 o'clock that night, Uh, Joseph of Arimathea, a wealthy man, a a member of the Sanhedrin, goes to Pilate and says, I would like to take care of Jesus' dead body. Pilate gives him permission. Joseph of Arimathea goes to the cross. Nicodemus joins him. A few of the female disciples join him. They take Jesus down from that cross. And they did this because they wanted to avoid the normal course with bodies that were crucified. The Romans would oftentimes leave victims of crucifixion on the cross to just decay over the weeks and months ahead as animals would eat them and and just the decay of the body. And why would they do that? Because the Romans were using crucifixion to intimidate. And they were cruel and they were barbaric and they didn't care. Whatever it took to let you know that if you mess with Rome, this is what's going to happen to you. Well, Joseph of Arimathea, Nicodemus, Mary Magdalene, so many others, did not want Jesus' body to suffer this indignity. And so they took his body down from the cross. And they, they took it to a, a tomb that Joseph of Arimathea owned in a garden nearby. Now we know the rest of the story was that the Romans and, and, the, and the Jews went to the other thieves, the thieves that died next to Jesus, and they broke their legs They wanted them to die quickly, and that's crucifixion was a death basically by suffocation, where you were no longer able to lift your diaphragm and to take in a breath, and so by breaking the legs now, they would hang and they couldn't breathe, and it was a very quick and sudden death. But with Jesus, they did not break his bones. And this is an important point, because we talk about how Jesus died on the cross, but did you know that Jesus didn't die from the cross? No. John 10 says this, Jesus said this, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. So Jesus died on a cross, but the cross didn't kill him. As the son of God, he had authority over his life. And in that moment when he cried, it is finished, he was giving his life freely as a sacrifice. Nobody nobody could take it from him because when Jesus died, he died when he chose to die. You know, some people think Jesus was a victim. He was a victim of, of, uh, of a mob scene and victim of, of political intrigue and theater. Or some other, you know, circumstances overwhelmed him. But we find in the Bible that, no, Jesus was in control of all of this, even the moment that he gave his life. And so Joseph, Arimathea, Nicodemus, the others, they take down Jesus' body, and very quickly, because they wanted to bury him before Passover at 6 o'clock, they took his body down. They wrapped it according to Jewish custom in a linen shroud and, uh, and with spices, and they laid him in that tomb that Joseph of Arimathea uh, owned. And they did it by 6 o'clock that night. Friday night passes. The next day, Saturday, the Pharisees got thinking to themselves, you know, Jesus said that he was going to be raised back to life on the third day. They were thinking this, it's interesting, the Pharisees were thinking about Jesus teaching, but the disciples weren't thinking about Jesus teaching. And so they went to Pilate and they said, hey, he said he was gonna be raised back to life on the third day, we're afraid the disciples are gonna steal the body, will you let us set a guard? And Pilate said, of course, set a guard. And so they sealed the tomb, they set a guard, a Roman guard there at the, at the tomb. And imagine those Pharisees, Saturday night, Here they have Jesus. He's been their arch nemesis for all these years. And they go to bed and they think to themselves, well, I guess that is the end of that because that is the end of him. And indeed how wrong they were. And now we pick it up in Matthew 28, verse 1. Here's what it says. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. Now, the other, disciples, the other gospels describe this as at the breaking of dawn on Sunday morning, so sometime around 6 a.m., Matthew says that Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, and this is, uh, this is kind of her title in the gospel, she was there at, at Jesus' crucifixion, the other Mary. The other gospels tell us that there were some other women that also were with them, and Their purpose was to go and to anoint Jesus' body fully according to the custom of the the Jewish tradition. Now, this also was obviously a sign of their devotion to him and their their affection for him. They wanted to continue to care for him in some way, and so to care for his body was a sign of of their love for him. And on their way to the tomb, they asked the famous question, Who will roll the stone away for us? And now we pick it up in verse 2. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. There was an earthquake. And if you read through the Bible, you'll find oftentimes when when God does something very significant, there is an earthquake that accompanies it. And indeed, there was an earthquake here. And it says that an angel of the Lord shows up, he goes to the tomb, and he rolls that large covering stone back from the front of the crypt. A different gospel says that he actually flung it aside. I actually like to see that, the power of an angel to sort of frisbee a giant stone like that. But the text says that he, he, he throws it aside and he sits on that stone. And the women are on their way. They feel the earthquake. They come around the bend and here they see this scene where the crypt is open, the stone is rolled away, and sitting on this stone is an angel. At his feet are the Roman guards who are frozen in fear at the sight of the angel and the earthquake. And this angel is described as looking like a young man, and his appearance shone with the glory of God, which the women described like lightning. Okay, so let's think about lightning a moment. Here we we are, you know, we live in northwest Indiana, and we get some pretty powerful storms at times. And I've noticed that when one of those big storms are coming through, especially at night, you can draw the shades, uh, you can close your eyes, but when it's a strong lightning storm, you can't not see the lightning light. And these women, as they try to describe what this angel looked like, they said, the closest thing that we can think of is looking at his face was like looking at lightning. And indeed, this light was the glory of God. And his appearance had a very powerful effect. Verse four says that the Roman soldiers were so afraid that they went literally into shock, and they laid there around that tomb, they laid there like dead men. Now we should ask the question, who were these guys? Remember, Jesus is the most famous person in all the land, Uh, and and he he has now died on the cross. And so who do you think the Pharisees uh, assigned the task of guarding Jesus' tomb? Uh, Friends, this is not the B team of the Roman Legion. This is, this is the A-team. This is their SEAL Team 6. These tough guys are there, and even for them, the sight of this angel was more than they could handle. Now I, th- I was sort of thinking to myself, I, w- I wish they actually would have tried to do something to, a- to the angel, you know, to defend or something like that. I would have liked to know known how that was going to go for them. But apparently they didn't even try. Verse 5. But the angel said to the women, and here's the message now. Now, friends, think about this with me. Can you imagine being these women? Can you imagine how they would, uh, uh, would have responded? Can you imagine the bewilderment? Here is a message they weren't expecting. Here is a messenger who looks like lightning. Here are Roman soldiers who are frozen in fear at the, at the, at the base. But on top of all of that, the most significant thing is what the angel said. That Jesus, who they saw die on the cross on Friday, is not here. He has risen. Can you imagine what this moment would have been like for them? You know, we sometimes we think about, you know, Bible characters and we assume that they are, you know, very serious and very somber and, and very sober and that, you know, they, they might have heard the message of the angel and said, hmm, that's very interesting. Perhaps we should investigate this. Like, you know, like they thought to themselves, you know, we're Bible characters, so we need to stay in, uh, you know, uh, we need to stay calm. No, these are normal. People and in this case these are normal women, and what do women do when they hear something amazing and they get excited about something? And men, I would encourage you not to say anything right now. I'll just tell you what they do: they talk, right? They talk, and and all of a sudden now they're trying to figure out. They're bewildered. They're astonished. They're excited. They're joyous, and so they begin to talk. La 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 la. And the text says that they didn't turn around and walk to the upper room in a dignified manner. No, what does it say? They ran, they ran. They started running and they're talking and they're laughing and they're, they're, they're astonished and they don't know what to think and it's all about to get better. Look at verse nine. And behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. These women must have been filled with you know, conf- confusion, wonder, all these things. And as they're running now to the upper room, all of a sudden, there is Jesus. Imagine just the astonishment of seeing him. And his, his, his words here, I actually find somewhat humorous because you, know, you would think that he would you know, some, say something like, it's me, or you know, uh, something like that. No, what does he say? He says, greetings, and in the Greek, it's just the normal greeting of the day. It'd be like us in our culture saying, hey, how's it going? <laughs> There's no like, hey, I told you I was gonna rise from the dead, nothing like that. He just says, greetings, and these women, there suddenly he is standing before them. What does it look like when people meet the risen Christ? What does it feel like when people meet the risen Christ? Answering that is the rest of our Easter message today. Because we may not be running this Easter morning, But what does need to happen in our hearts by faith is what these women experienced by sight. And the first thing that we see in these women is absolute wonder. Wonder. Here are the words the Gospels use to describe the response of the women. Trembling, bewildered, uh, astonishment, afraid, filled with joy, running. And that last one especially strikes me, running. Running. How often do we see mature women dressed in normal clothing running in a pack around town? We never see that. And if you ever did see that, you would think to yourself, something's going on, right? Something is going on. Very unusual. When combined with trembling and bewildered, how's this for a summary word for what these women had in their hearts that day? Wonder. Wonder, what is wonder? That that sense of lostness in the immensity of something great, wonder. You wanna know what wonder feels like? Imagine with me today that all of a sudden, you know, the the airwaves and the newscasts. you know, it's breaking news, it's breaking news, and all at once it comes out, they announce this. They say, a cure has been developed for COVID-19. We have it right now, everybody can take it, we're gonna empty the the hospitals, we're gonna gonna shut down all all those clinics, I mean we're, there's a cure everybody, there's a cure. And we're announcing right now that tomorrow all the kids are going back to school and everybody's going back to work and the restaurants are gonna open and Major League Baseball, the schedule's back on and everybody, it's all done, it's all over. How would you feel about that? And what would happen in our, in our community? You know what would happen. Everybody go running outside at the same time, cheering and running up to neighbors who we distance from, now hugging and, and uh, clapping and just so like relieved and excited. And what joy we would have if all of a sudden there was a cure to COVID-19. Cars would be honking. People would be dancing. It would be the biggest news wonder. And if we get wonder to that level, just thinking of the possibility of a cure for COVID-19, here we have now even greater news. Here we have even now even better news. The resurrection of Jesus from the dead is indeed the greatest news of all time for any human ears to hear. And how should there, what should our response be to that? How about awe and wonder and absolute joy? That's what the women had that very first Easter. And through the scriptures, they give us an example today of what a heart and a mind that grasps the significance of the resurrection of Jesus feels like in our soul. Now I can imagine you right now, you're thinking to yourself, but Pastor Steve, that's not fair. Like, those women, they got to be there. I mean, their feet felt the earthquake, their eyes saw the, the, the angel, their ears heard the message. They actually saw Jesus resurrected. I mean, it's not really fair, is it, to compare what they had to what we have here today? And indeed, is this not the challenge on this Easter morning for many people? That the resurrection is not new news, it's, it's old news. And the resurrection of Jesus is something that maybe in your life you've heard about and even, frankly, believed in for a very long time. And you're thinking to yourself, even in this Easter message, you know what? This pastor isn't going to tell me nothing I've never heard before. I've heard all of this before. I believe it for a long time. Tell me something new. And you know what? This morning, I can't tell you something new. But here's what I can tell you, is you have never heard a resurrection message in the midst of a pandemic, You've never heard of Jesus' resurrection when your life is threatened by an unseen enemy on a doorknob or hanging in the air. You've never heard this before in a day when we wake up every single morning and hundreds and sometimes thousands of more people around the world have died in this pandemic. You've never heard the message of Jesus' resurrection before in the isolation and loneliness of home sheltering. You've never heard of the resurrection before when the markets are plunging and unemployment is skyrocketing and many people are wondering how they're gonna make the ends meet. You have never heard the message of the resurrection before in a pandemic Easter. But this is our pandemic Easter. And on this day, the resurrection is far greater news than even a cure of COVID-19 would be on this day. Why? Because virus threatens my physical life. But everybody that's hearing this message, we're all going to die eventually of something. The resurrection of Jesus, that Jesus walking out of the grave, it means for all of us, even these many years later, that God has overcome the real pandemic, which is death that Jesus conquered death, and for all that believe in Jesus and in his resurrection, that God promises that he will grant to us eternal life if Jesus is our Savior and Lord. Now, do these women realize this in that moment when all of a sudden Jesus was standing in front of them? Of course not. But we do today. We do today. We understand today that sin is our virus and that the cross is our cure and that the resurrection is God's vaccination for us against death forever. And if we believe that, I would say our joy today should be equal if not greater than the joy on that very first Easter morning. It is the greatest possible news. And so I want to ask you today, is there any resurrection wonder in your heart? Is your spiritual heart so cold that you have, your soul has forgotten what God did through Jesus that Easter morning? Can I encourage you today, ask God right now, just a little prayer in your heart, God, won't you increase my wonder? Won't you increase my wonder? God, give me that Easter morning wonder. I want to tremble. I want bewildered. I want astonished. I want women running around town kind of wonder today. Christ is risen from the dead. There is no greater news. Well, the story goes on. Not only do they have wonder, but they also have worship. Here's the response of the women when they see Jesus standing there, and he says to them, greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet, and notice what they did, and worshiped him him. I'll bet they did, because that's what wonder does. Wonder in the human heart always leads to worship. Now today, we can't see Jesus physically, and for some people, maybe that are listening right now, they, that makes all of this very suspect. I, my eyes have never seen the risen Christ. Your eyes have never seen the risen Christ. But today, we are seeing through the eyes of those that were there. These are eyewitness accounts of what they saw. And so in a way, it's like I see Abraham Lincoln or I see Winston Churchill. I see them through the accounts of their lives by those that knew them. I never met them, but that doesn't mean that the Gettysburg Address didn't happen or the London Blitz didn't happen. We see through the eyewitness accounts and we see in these four accounts and the hundreds of witnesses to the resurrected Jesus We see through them now this objective retelling of the resurrection. We see it with eyes of faith. Like Mary Magdalene and Peter and the centurion today, we believe that Jesus was who he claimed to be, which is the Son of God. We believe that he is the Savior of all who trust and believe in him. And that resurrection verified all of the claims that he had made. And the story of the resurrection calls the entire world and you and me today to fall at his feet and to worship him. You know, I wouldn't worship a dead savior. There are many many people that down through the years and, and many religions have uh, the leaders of their religions that they're dead. You can go visit, you can visit their graves around the world to this day. But, but why, would you, why would you worship a dead savior? But I'll worship a resurrected savior. I'll worship him every day. I'll bow at his feet. Which leads to the question, well how do we worship? What does it mean to worship a risen savior? Here's what it means, friends, listen. It means that I understand my moral bankruptcy before God. That I understand that I am a sinner. I understand that that in my sin I am under the wrath of God. I understand that I am rightly judged by God forever to be unholy and deserving of his eternal wrath. But I see in Jesus and in his message, the gospel truth, which is the promise that God has made that any sinner who puts their faith and trust in Jesus, that God will forgive their sins and that God will grant to us the gift of eternal life. You know, all the religions ask, try to answer this question. How can I know that I am right with God? And all of them answer it the same way, by you doing something. You've got to be this, you've got to be that, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. All of them accept Christianity, authentic Christianity. And the real gospel is that we don't earn it. No, Jesus earned it for us. And we worship him by putting our trust in him as our personal savior. Listen to John chapter 1, verse 12. He says this, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. What is there to receive by faith? We receive the person and the work of Jesus. We receive his love for us. We trust in who he was as the son of God and what he did dying on the cross for our sins. And that's why the verse, it says this, uh, to those who believe in his name. And when we trust and believe in Jesus, God meets our spiritual need by forgiving our sins and giving to us right standing before God. And that standing is a promise, it is righteousness forever, time without end. Is that true for you here today? Because if you if you've if you've never trusted in Jesus, maybe you've you know done Easter, you've done Easter. Baskets, you've done Easter, buffets, you've you've been around Easter, but this is the very first Easter where you've wondered if you might get something that could kill you. It's your very first Easter where you're wondering how your needs are going to be met. This is an Easter like no other Easter in our lifetime, and what better Easter could there be to, to gain the promise of God by trusting in Christ than this one? won't you put your faith and trust in Jesus today? He wants to save you, it's why he came. What better Easter than pandemic Easter? To trust in Christ. So we go back to the story, what did they have? They had wonder, they had women running around wonder. They had astonishment, they had bewilderment. They also had worship as they saw Jesus and they went to his feet and they bowed down and they worshiped him. And the third thing that we find here, and this is so wonderful, is we find joy. Joy. Matthew 28, verse 8, it says it this way. So they departed quickly from the tomb, get it, with fear and great joy, and ran to tell his disciples. These women had great joy. The adjective there in the, in the Greek is mega the women had mega joy, and I'll bet they did because wonder leads to worship, worship leads to mega joy. And friends, isn't that why we are, we've gathered here even digitally today? We've gathered here today because we are on this pandemic Easter celebrating the greatest news that we could have. We're doing it on a day where half of the world's population is on lockdown, and, and, and you are as well. We're doing it on a day where there are thousands that have died in the last month, and there are worries around the world about our health and about our future. What is it that this world needs, and maybe your heart needs, on a day like today? How about mega joy? Yes, yes, I'll take that very much. I'll take double portion of that. I'd like that very much, please. A joy that doesn't come Uh, from anything other than the reality of a risen Savior, the fact that that tomb was empty, the fact that Jesus walked out of that tomb for our justification, and a promise from God that all who will quit trying to save themselves and put all their trust in Jesus, that he will give us life forever. Nothing puts joy in our hearts, friends, like a resurrected Savior. And maybe right now, as you, as you hear me talking like this, it's still not resonating with you. But I'm here to tell you right now, if you, like I did on Monday of this week, join a family of three in a, in, a, in a funeral home that's live streaming on Facebook so the rest of the family could be there, you stand at the grave of a loved one, and you see that casket, and you think about life, and you think about eternity, and you think about that loved one in particular who died in the faith, You think about that, and you think about the resurrection, you'll have great joy. I'm telling you right now, this may not resonate with you right now, but if this week you find out you have cancer, the resurrection of Jesus will bring great joy. I'm telling you right now, you find out this week that you or a loved one has COVID-19. All of a sudden, the things that used to dominate our thoughts and we thought were super important are gonna suddenly not be so important. And what's gonna be important? Some other things, including the fact that Jesus walked out of that grave, and because he did, there is hope in this world. There is life eternal for those that trust in Jesus. The words of Jesus himself, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And on this pandemic Easter, that is what we celebrate. We celebrate the reality of a risen Savior. We wonder at the empty tomb. We worship the risen Christ. And that wonder that leads to worship also leads to joy. And the kind of joy that Easter brings is a trembling kind of joy. It's an astonished kind of joy. It's a bewildered kind of joy. It is a women running around, Jesus is risen kind of joy. Wonder, worship, and joy on this pandemic Easter.